Welcome to The Prosper Project, the show that helps entrepreneurs build brands that impact the world and the bottom line. We know that success doesn't come in a one-size-fits-all package. That's why we're bringing you adaptable marketing strategies along with valuable insights from inspiring changemakers, firebrands, and visionaries. I'm Lorraine Sugart, founder of the disruptive brand agency, Prosper for Purpose. Now for this week's episode. of the Prosper Project. Today, my guest is Brandy P. Sheffield. So Brandy has led teams of more than 100 people using and teaching executive presence to influence and impact people and organizations. As a senior executive director, Brandy has built a legacy of leaders by coaching executive colleagues and lower management to transform their leadership. She is the CEO of Learning Associates and the designer founder of the Career Acceleration Incubator Program, The Outlier Leader. Brandy equips highly skilled career women to move up faster or move on to their next higher paying role with a better opportunity by developing their executive presence and leadership. Welcome, Brandy. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you, Lorraine. Likewise, it is my pleasure to be here. Great. So, Brandy, tell us a little bit about how you came to be the CEO of your own business, working with individuals and teams within corporations. Yeah, so it's an interesting story. I'll start just like with a short little intro in terms of my own executive career. So, I moved up the career ladder very quickly. I was always the youngest and or the only female and or the only African-American female. I fit all of the buckets. And so I faced a lot of adversity because I was highly skilled. And I had the blessing of an exceptional mentor who told me there's a difference in getting the job, keeping the job, and then accelerating in the job. And I was mind blown. I was like, okay, I need to pay attention. And that was in like my early 30s. And what I understood was the ability to influence others is how you make impact in your work, in your organization, and, you know, just for your own career. So I adapted and learned all those principles very quickly. I also was an econ major. So systems thinking is a natural thing for me. And Mm -hmm. applying all of those pieces, I was continually excelling in my organization. And so I was being tapped to be the superintendent and I knew I didn't want to do that. (laughs) So (laughs) I had a really great fortune of being able to cash out some investments and kind of just take off of work. And I was looking for mentorship. While I was looking for mentorship, I was offered a job (laughs) and I walked into the job the first day saying, this will be my last employer. I knew that I didn't want to work for anyone anymore. And so I did all the opposite things that I teach other people to do. I was not using executive presence and leadership because I had no aspiration for anything higher, but I work and I operate in excellence. And so I was 
the top producer in my region, the 5% in my entire organization. And now fast forward to how I got to start my company. I also had the blessing of a highly underskilled woman who felt like I was her competition and she wanted to be in my spot. So she made up a whole elaborate lie about me and outside work that I was or was not doing. The short version is I was the problem child because I told leadership what they weren't doing right, but I was their top producer. So they didn't have anything on me. I had documentation to say, hey, like this is the reality. I asked for my service package. They gave it to me and I started my company. That's wild. So you and I had talked offline before Mm -hmm. today about having similar experiences. And I really think that when you know, like you went into that position saying, this is the last position I'm going to have, right? And so you had a nudge in you. There was a gut instinct that you needed to do your own thing. And it is when we put that out in the world and we know that's where we're going, it's not surprising that the other things that we kind of sidestep ourselves with Mm -hmm. don't work out, right? Absolutely. Because not having that vision for myself and then finding myself in a position where I'm being accused of this malice and so forth, I could have been devastated and crumpled. But I was just like, I don't need to prove anything to you. I know who I am. I know my integrity and I have documentation for it all. <laughs> so, you know, as it, moving on, it was a blessing. I was like, thank you, Lord, for the adversity. Right. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. I love that. So tell us about starting your business. Like, what were some of the peaks and valleys that you encountered along the way? The long valley was just not understanding the difference of now starting your own company versus working for a different company. <laughs> oh, yeah, that little problem. <laughs> that little problem, Right. Like multi-million dollar budgets and HR and all that stuff was no problem until you have to do it in your own from the ground up. So that was definitely a long valley to learn. And the lesson that I learned was to get help. (laughs) I believe in coaching. I believe everyone needs a coach. So I finally got a business coach and it just all came together. I was like, oh, those are the five buckets. Oh, that's where that work falls, right? And then, <laughs> so once I kind of got that in order, like I've always had a steady stream of clients, but I always felt rattled and just unsettled in doing the work. Like I was always clamoring for the next thing. I didn't feel centered in doing the work. I was losing my joy in it. And once I got mm. the organization together, I could see clearly, okay, now I can see how I can bring my clients through a client experience and run these other pieces of the business. So those were my peaks and my valleys. That's amazing. So tell our listeners, because I know a lot of people who listen to this are actually not entrepreneurs, but may have a side hustle or may just really want to accelerate within the company that they're at. So tell them a little bit about how you work with your clients. So I work with my clients to be able to, when I say develop their leadership presence and their executive presence, it's around six attributes. So I help them to develop their character, their communication, their command, their competence. You call it personal branding. I call it credibility and their political savvy. Mm. And all of those things are honed out through three strategic processes. First is a deep sense of your core values through self-reflective change management. 
Next is understanding who you're talking to. So the principle is called andragogy, but it is essentially knowing who you're talking to, what problem you can help them solve immediately within that conversation and how to show up as the right person with a solution and then carry out that solution with systems thinking. Mm -hmm. So it teaches 12 of the foundational competencies of systems thinking to be able to either ask a very powerful question or respond to it powerfully. The combination of those things allows a person to build out their sphere of influence. And that is how you turn people to becoming ambassadors of you. So whether it be your superiors, your peers, or your support staff, now that you have this executive presence that you show up with, you have a sphere of people who will recommend you, network with you, right, sing your praises, so on and so on. And now you're tapped to be called to next and higher levels versus continuously applying for jobs. I love that. So how do you typically work with people? Is it one-on-one? Is it in groups? Tell us a little bit more about that. I do one-to-one coaching. I'm not a big fan of the groups. I do have a couple of times where I'll have two or three people who want to work together and that's fine because they are a support group together. But for the most part, Mm -hmm. one-to-one because it's individualized. While the content, right, with big air quotes is the same, the context is not always, right? So we work within your context, your industry, right, your relationship to the people who would be your sphere of influence, your organizational culture. So I work one-to-one with clients. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So tell us a little bit about who your ideal client is. So if someone's listening and say, that's me, then they know that they should reach out to you. Yeah, my ideal client really is a highly skilled professional woman who like has just been stuck. And it could be for any reason. It could be your own self-sabotage or the discrimination biases that we mm, experience yeah. in the workplace. It's, ask me how I know, right? Fear of excelling when your spouse doesn't support you, not my current husband, my prior husband. Uh, okay. <laughs> right? yeah. So I really work with women who have the skill to move mm-hmm. up but need to develop that executive presence to show up for the role. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And a lot of that is also mindset, right? It's, you know, like, who am I to assert myself? Who am Uh I to speak up? Or, you know, there's just so many of those issues that women struggle with that men do not. And so let me tell you, I love to read. So in my research and studying as well, What I found was men and women get two different messages as they like from early on and then growing up. Men get the be a leader, use your voice, right? Step out in the front and take charge, so on and so on. Women get build your skill, be ready for the next position or move, right? And play your part until you get it. So what happens is, I hate to say it, but it is the truth. We get lots of men and an image of leadership that is male because there is, it sounds a certain way. It looks a certain way, but doesn't often have the skill for the position. And then we get women who are more than capable to do the job become support role number two, pushing that man up and further instead of her taking the lead role, because we say, well, who am I to, you know, stand out and lift up my voice and make waves or whatever. I'm just happy to be second in command or whatever. Yeah, no, that's so true. That is so true. 
So how do you coach people kind of through that? How do you work from the mindset perspective? Is that first or is it woven through all of your work together? It's always first. And so I first do a executive presence assessment. So how do you see yourself across these six competencies? And then we do a 360. So I ask the person to define their sphere of influence, give that survey now to these people who will confidentially give that information because executive presence is not about what you think of yourself. It's what other people think of you. So we take the gap of what you think of yourself and what other people think about you and we dissect what have been your experiences and your context of your work career journey to be able to then now uncover your mindsets or uncover where you have taken on some of those societal norms that are disadvantaged to you or the self-sabotaging, whatever. And then once we have a clear you know, gap that we're working on, now we can start filling it in. I love that. So what are some of the common results you see? in your clients after you work with them or as you're working with them? The common one is definitely a renewed sense of confidence. They just Mm. show up different, right? And that's really what it is. They just show up different. They have a different energy. They're not like slumping and they're not meager. It's like, not only do I have the skill, I deserve this. And once they start, the first wave of evidence of it working is when other people start giving you the compliments and it starts to happen really quickly. People start saying like, oh, wow, I'll use myself brandy, right? Like, I didn't know you thought about this that way or like, I really loved your comment in that meeting or whatever it is, that first wave of external validation that really starts to be a push for my clients. And then in the long run, it is continual career acceleration, because once you have it, it's a part of who you are. It's now how you think, speak, and act. It is who you are. Mm. So it's almost like mindset and communications to really understand who you're dealing with within your organization and how to communicate with them. So I would assume, you know, I'm thinking about people I've worked with who either didn't seem to speak up at all, or were always the ones throwing in Uh ideas, almost Uh like they just wanted to be heard Uh rather than I have something to say. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And you get them both. You get the person who thinks I have to talk. I have to talk. I have to talk. He's like, no, let me tell you how you're showing up when you do that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. So what has surprised you? about doing this work? Yeah, I have a phrase that I live by, nuts, spelled with two N's. Nothing new under the sun. Okay. There's not much that has been a surprise. When I was either leading teams or standing in front of large crowds or whatever, versus working with people one-to-one, it is typically always the same. People know what to do. They don't know how to do it. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. No, that's really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. So what kind of tips or insights could you offer to people who may be listening now who are thinking, you know, I've asked or been up for a promotion and it doesn't ever seem to happen. What would my next right step be? Or 
I've asked for, I really love my work, but I'm really underpaid. And I've asked for a raise and either gotten, you know, oh, we can't do it right now. And I feel that to take that next step is being aggressive. Is it, how would you tell them to navigate those situations where they have kind of spoken up, tried to get to that next level, either through compensation or position and just can't get that momentum? Well, there's two separate questions in there. The first one in the first scenario, the person who's tried to promote who hasn't, I would tell them ask for feedback. So if you haven't gotten the feedback on what is not propelling you forward, ask. Whoever is the hiring manager over that department, ask the HR and be vulnerable enough to ask the people within your sphere, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm going for. Why do you think I'm not? And if you're getting, oh, you're great, you're great, they're not the people you want in your sphere. You want people who will give you honest feedback. Feedback is how we grow. To your second point of the person who has asked for the promotion, I tell them, well, let's be honest with ourselves. Do you love your job role or do you love the company? Because there's plenty of other companies Mm, with your job role. So we can help you build your executive presence and your leadership so that you show up grand and apply for a different job and now ask for your value, not the posted position salary. I love that. No, that's really, really good. So I have a random question that just popped into my mind. So I know a few years ago when my own children were graduating from college, they actually had instructors tell them, if you haven't been promoted in one to two years, leave and find another job. What do you think of that kind of blanket advice? One size does not fit all. I do think that if you have career ambitions that you want to move to, you need to be nimble in your thought process, right? So that might mean, is this the right company for me? Is this the right position? Am I trying to, you know, maybe even navigate into a new industry? But the starch, if you haven't moved one to two years, I don't believe in it for a number of reasons. When you think about what leadership is supposed to be, it's supposed to impact and influence the other people who you lead. So if you're constantly turning over, you're not leaving anything behind. You're causing more disruption. I also Mm -hmm. don't believe in being stagnant. So as you plan out your next step, it is still your job as the leader to build the capacity of others for somebody else to be able to step right into your chair. And if that nothing else, operate at the same level as you, if not better. If those two things are happening, then it's not the right place for you. I love that so much. That was such a great answer to a question that just popped in my head as Mm -hmm. you were talking. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. So now the other question that I did warn you I was going to ask, you you recently, like last week, I think, decided to not promote on Facebook and Instagram, not really Mm -hmm. have a presence there any longer. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what led to that decision and why you decided to focus instead solely on LinkedIn and YouTube, I believe? Yeah, my reason was efficiency. My audience is not primarily in Facebook and Instagram, and it didn't make any sense to keep paying money in places that wasn't producing results. And it didn't make any sense to add the time factor that it takes to 
you know, when you're on social media, you really have to hype up the engagement. So if you're intentional about it, you really have to go into each message or, you know, each comment or so forth in order to warm up, right, your ideal client. And it wasn't making much traction. And I know that it wasn't because that's not my audience. Facebook and Instagram are entertainment places. And I'm not doing videos, pointing at anything. I'm not singing and dancing. I'm never going to do any of those things. I'm going to make really relevant posts. I believe in teaching people. I believe in giving the information. And that is not the audience in Facebook and Instagram. So I said, yeah, it's time to pull the plug. And I did a one week rundown of, hey, five days left, four days left. It's coming. Uh I'm gone. (laughs) And I have to say your videos were fabulous. Like that was the best goodbye (laughs) I've ever seen. So, so good. So I guess one of the benefits of that, and I talk about this a lot in working with people to really fine tune their marketing is you do need to know where your potential clients or customers are Uh and use those places to show up. And mm-hmm. other tools can be fun and it's certainly worth trying them to see what happens. Like remember when Clubhouse was everything and yep. everybody was over there and yep. a lot of people have since left. There's still uh-huh. people there. And, uh-huh. you know, so everything has its rise and uh-huh. then its stabilization where it's going to be. So right. I always tell people, you know, if you can identify and I always say two, two core places where you're going to put your efforts, then go ahead and play on the other ones Uh and get a feel. But, and you're going to have a sense pretty quickly if that's where your people are. And if not, you want to put out content just in case, and you have the time to do that. That's one thing, but really, Uh you know, I'm a writer. So the best writers are the best editors. It's what you take away, not what you put in, right? They're equally important. So I love that you said that. I think it's so brave of you to do that. I'm all about taking those brave, bold steps. So what is next for you? Like, what is the next iteration of your business look like? Are you going to kind of expand your team? Is there a book in your future? What are your kind of dreams or what's on your vision board for the rest of this year? Any ideas you want to share? I do. I do. I can tell you it's not expanding my business. I enjoy having a boutique business. When I think about how many people I used to manage, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> I just I don't <laughs> want to do it again. And I have a fear of training someone else to do what I do when they haven't walked it long enough. So I am waiting actually on a couple of clients to get down the road a few more years and get a few more promotions and then recruit them to (laughs) to come over to the other side. (laughs) I love that. No, that's really smart because you can watch their trajectory and how they grow and then bring them in at the right point. Yeah, that's so good. It's funny because... The first person I hired in my business was someone who had been on my team when I was employed in corporate uh-huh. America. Uh-huh. So it's great because I knew her ethics. I uh-huh. knew her work standards. I knew her excellence. And it makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It my really does. For the end of the year is to finish the preliminaries of my TED talk. So that Ooh, I want to, I, yeah, I want to do a TED talk. I love talking in public. 
I'm a certified master facilitator, but I just, it's a challenge. It's a new challenge. And I just have to make the time for it. I honestly put the book on hold. I said too many things, Brandy, just like focus on one thing right now. I want to get the TED Talk and then in the next two years, publish two books that I have in mind. I love it. That's so good. So where can people find you? And then we'll ease into my final question. Absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn at Brandy P. Sheffield. And also there's a link tree for link tree backslash the outlier. You can find all of my social media presence of LinkedIn and YouTube and it's plethora. <laughs> Do you not go to Facebook or Instagram? Right. No, because I won't be there. <laughs> But we also have a live event coming up on Tuesday, March 29th, that we would love to invite your audience to. It is called okay, 10X Your Career, 10X Your Income. And when you go to any of the platforms, you can find the registration link. Okay, that's great. And we will have all of those links in the show notes below. Yes. So we'll have great. them. So my final question is, what does it mean for you to prosper? Mm. My love language and my passion is serving other people. So when I see other people like get it and the light clicks on and it flourishes in their life, it gives me joy. In my early 20s, I started a nonprofit called Women of Purpose and Prosperity. And I serviced the homeless, a tutoring program, and a woman's outreach. And those three things, uh, I had a partner at the time. They were just the joy of my life. I was going through a really hard divorce and I needed something else to do. And so giving back to other people was how I filled in that year of not working. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. I love that. That's so good, Brandy. So if you're listening and you're working in a job and you really want to elevate within the company, or if you're thinking about how you can build yourself into someone who is promotable within some other company. Uh Brandy is your person. So Brandy Sheffield. Yeah. Thanks so much for being with us today. I love your perspective. Yeah. My pleasure. I appreciate this conversation. Thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) So that's it for us today. And I will see you next week on the Prosper Project. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Prosper Project. If you want to grow a peerless, profitable brand, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you find value in our show, please help us reach others by sharing an episode and leaving a review. In appreciation, please visit prosperforpurpose.com for more free resources to help you grow your business.